So uh, live from an undisclosed location with the sultry filter on. <laughs> Very sultry filter on. Yeah. Having a great hair day. Yeah, that is a good hair day for you. Great hair day. My pal <laughs> and your favorite CEO and Twitterer, Mr. Elon Musk. How you doing, pal? Nick. Appreciate you uh, coming to the event and um, or coming uh, zooming in. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's new in your world? Um, well, let's see. Um, I guess right now uh, I'm sort of debating the number of bots on Twitter uh, with Para ah. on Twitter. Um, and um, the, currently, I'd like the, what, what what I'm being told is that the uh, there's just no way to know the number of bots. It's like as unknowable as the human soul, basically. <laughs> so <laughs> because we have no idea what level of witchcraft and alchemy is needed to determine these bot percentage. Have you determined? <laughs> I said like, why why not try calling people? But I haven't got a response. You know, like if you try calling people or something, you know. Like maybe <laughs> try the answer. It's not a bot. No, no, no. I don't know, but I, I think like that would be one of the things to do to say like, have you tried calling them? As opposed to like trying to read the tea leaves here. That's like impossible. You know, uh, obviously you can have an account that looks exactly like a, a human account or is being operated where one person is operating a thousand accounts or something. Um, but that person can only buy one toaster. They're not going to buy a thousand toasters. So you care about like number of unique real people. Uh, that are on the system, it's extremely fundamental. And anyone who uses Twitter is well aware that uh, the the comment th the comment threads are are full of spa spam, scam, and and um, just a lot of you know fake accounts. So um, it's it seems uh, beyond beyond reasonable for Twitter to claim that the number of uh, uh, essentially the number of said another way the number of real unique humans. Uh, that you see making comments on a daily basis on Twitter um, is above 95%. That is what they're claiming. Does anyone have that experience? <laughs> no, exactly. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> really? <laughs> Listen, like, there's a bridge I, I'd like to sell you, you know. Uh, you know... Uh, you know. <laughs> and and so, also, you can buy the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> um, what do you think it is? What? Yeah. What's the? What's the? Uh, I mean, anecdotal. if it's not five percent, what? What is it? Um, I think it's some number that is probably at least uh, four or five times that number. The, yeah. I'd say it at uh, if you did sort of the the, the lowest estimate would be probably twenty percent, um, and. Uh, and, and this and this is a, a bunch of uh, quite smart outside firms have done analysis of Twitter and uh, looked at the, the the sort of daily daily users and their conclusion is also about is about twenty percent but that's a lower bound it's not an upper bound mm -hmm. um, if you look at say um, the most liked tweets on Twitter um, so I <laughs> I have the uh, the honor uh, of 
having the most liked tweet of any living human. Um, this, <laughs> this is. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for liking my tweet, uh, <laughs> including you, all, some of the bots out there. Um, but uh, all, th that tweet is less than five million likes. It's like four point seven or something like that. And that 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 was the where I tweeted about um, that, that next time buying Coca Cola to put the cocaine back in. Which, uh, <laughs> It's definitely, it's clearly something that the public really wants. And, <laughs> you know, uh, Coca-Cola Corporation should really think about going back to their roots. Um, you know, some <laughs> Coca-Cola. Um, I mean, this, this, I guess, is the reason why our grandparents could sort of walk 20 miles in the snow. Uh, <laughs> because they had Coca-Cola with cocaine. This is <laughs> the real reason. <laughs> so... Um, Anyway, that was that's the, that is literally the most popular tweet um, uh, of any of any living human. Um, and but tw Twitter says that the daily da the sort of monetizable daily active users is two hundred and seventeen million. Um, so why would it be that the most popular tweet ever basically is only you know two two and a half percent of the entire user base? This this seems. A, a very, very low number. Um, and, um, and, and the most popular tweets generally are clustered around that sort of 4 million uh, like level. So it's sort of call it like basically 2% or, le or less than 2% of, of the uh, daily active users. And, and technically monetizable daily active users is how Twitter refers to it. So it just seems, how is this possible? Um, surely there's something that maybe, you know, 10% of people would like not merely 2%. Well, actually, um, you know, if you think about it, Elon, um, there's a corollary on YouTube. What do, what's the total user base of YouTube and what have the most popular videos gotten there? Yes. And I think there's a billion or two, maybe a billion people using YouTube and those, the most popular videos have tens of billions of views. Yes. So that might be instructive. Exactly. That ratio makes a lot more sense. Um, so th th something doesn't add up here. Um, and, and my concern is, is not, is not that is it like, you know, is it five or, or seven or eight percent, but is it potentially 80 percent or 90 percent bots? Yeah. Um, you know, are, are, is it I mean, I, I certainly know there's some real people in, on Twitter, but uh, but what's if it is it an order of magnitude? Is it is it 50 percent instead of five? And that's obviously an incredibly material number. Um, especially since Twitter uh, relies uh, primarily on brand advertising as opposed to specific click-through advertising where you make a purchase. If you, if you make a purchase, it, it doesn't really matter that much. But for brand advertising, which is really just awareness advertising, it matters if, if real humans are seeing that or not. Yeah. And, and so I guess stepping back for a second, people are curious why you want to buy Twitter. Why is this so important to you? And then I guess, what are the chances you think the deal gets done at this point? So a two-parter, why is it so important to you? I mean, some of this I've articulated before, but I think there's a need for a, a, a public town square, digital town square that uh, where people can debate uh, issues of all kinds, um, including the most substantive issues. Um, and in order for, the, uh, for that to be the case, you have to have something that is as broadly inclusive as possible, that has as much of the, the, the people on the, the platform as possible, 
uh, where it's uh, it, it feels uh, balanced from a political standpoint. Uh, it's not biased one way or the other, um, and where uh, the system is transparent. Uh, this is why I think it's important to put the algorithm on on GitHub and actually allow the public to, to see it and critique it and improve it. Um, and if there are any manual changes, uh, sort of shadow banning, as it's called, uh, or it, uh, increasing or decreasing the prominence of a tweet uh, that's done manually, that that should be noted uh, so you know what has happened. And it's not just, uh, you know, you're, you're just where, where it is right now, where you don't know what the heck is going on. Why is one tweet doing well? Why is another tweet not? Is it, is it the algorithm? Did someone manually inter intervene? Uh, why are some accounts banned? Uh, with no recourse, apparently. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the reality is uh, that, that Twitter at this point, you know, has uh, a very far left bias. Um, and I, I would class myself as, as a moderate and you know, neither Republican nor, nor Democrat. Um, and in fact, uh, I have voted, voted overwhelmingly for Democrats uh, historically, overwhelmingly. Like, I've, I'm not sure I might never have voted for a Republican, just to be clear. Right. Um, now, now, this election, I would. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, you okay? David's <laughs> not he's fainting. Keep going, keep going. He's fine, he's fine. We're going to resuscitate him. We're going to resuscitate David yeah. Sachs. I mean, let me ask you a personal question. The point I'm trying to make yeah. is that this is not some sort of attempt to... Uh, you know, it's not some right-wing takeover, um, as, as pay, say, people on the left may fear, uh, yeah. but rather a moderate-wing takeover um, and an attempt to uh, ensure that, that people of, of all, uh, you know, political uh, beliefs feel welcome on, on a digital town square that, and they can express uh, their, their beliefs uh, without fear of being banned or shadow banned. Um, and, and, and that we, we obviously need to get rid of the bots uh, and, and, and scams and trolls and, and people that are operating... Uh, huge bot armies in an attempt to uh, unduly influence the, the public opinion. So this is what I think it's very important that we have that. Like the, the, some of the smartest people in history have, 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 have thought about it and said like free speech is important for a, for a healthy democracy. It is important and free speech only matters. Like, like say, when does free speech matter most? It's when someone, when it's someone you don't like saying something you don't like. Yeah. Uh, that's when it actually matters. Um, so, um, you know, can't, <laughs> obviously, and 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 it's, pr it's pretty annoying when someone you don't like says something you don't like. That's 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 bad, but it's actually a good sign of, of uh, that 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 you have free speech. Um, so, uh, I mean, I get trashed by the media all the time. It's fine. I don't care. Uh, go, do, do it twice as much. I couldn't care less. Um, but it's indicative of the fact that even though, um, I, you know, I have like a lot of resources, I do not actually have the ability to stop the media from trashing me. And that's actually a good thing. Yeah. I, I have to ask, um, with regard to this current administration, I, I know how hard you work uh, on the car company. And then Biden, you know, uh, you've been a lifelong Democrat. You've donated to Obama and to everybody, probably never voted Republican. And yet, and the same is true for Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is, you know, a Bernie Sanders supporter. And that the Democratic Party has been openly hostile to Joe Rogan. And Biden can't even say the word Tesla or invite you to the White House when they do an EV summit. I'm curious, just 
on a very personal basis, what does it feel like to, to have that experience where the party you supported is, won't even say the name of your company or invite you there? They should be celebrating the work you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely feels like this is not right. Like this is uh, the, the, the issue here is that there's just an, uh, there's two, the, the Democratic Party is overly, overly controlled by the unions and by the uh, trial lawyers, particularly the class action uh, lawyers. Um, and generally, if you if you'll see something that doesn't that is not in the interest of the of the people, um, it's, it, on the on the Democrat side, it's going to come because of the unions, uh, which is just another form of monopoly, and the uh, the trial lawyers. Uh, that uh, that's where actions will be happening from the Democrat side. They're not in the interest of the people. And then, um, to be fair, on the Republican side. Uh, there's, there's, if you say like, where is something like not, not ideal happening? It's because of corporate evil um, and uh, re religious zealotry. Um, but that's generally where the bad things will be coming from on the Republican side um, that are not representative of the people. So um, in, in the case of Biden, he is simply too, too much uh, captured by the unions, um, which was not the case with Obama. Um, so in the case of Obama, you could have, you know, he was sort of quite reasonable. Um, and I think he took more of a view uh, that, you know, obviously you need to take the concerns of the unions into account, but uh, there, there, are big, there are bigger issues at stake. And, and unfortunately, Biden does not do that. Elon, I have, a, I have a Tesla question. I read today, it's incredible. There was a Bloomberg article that said the following. So the setup is this. It said, since you went public, Tesla's up 22,000%. Uh, 11 quarters of prof sequential profitability, so hitting on all cylinders. But the uh -huh. pu public analyst... <laughs> we had cylinders. That's a car joke. That's a combustion. Uh, <laughs> okay. We're stepping on the gas pedal, firing on all cylinders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but analysts, uh, when they put out their projections, okay, it's it's one of the most enormous bans for any company in America. The the price targets for Tesla, despite all of this success, some have it at 200, some have it at 1600. It's all over the place. You tweeted uh, a couple months ago. Tesla's not a company. It's like six companies inside of a company. Like you've had yeah, to build. This, yeah, maybe more. Can you just explain to people all these companies inside this super company, just so folks have a sense of what had to be done to get here? Okay. I mean, this, this question requires thought, and I'll probably be leaving out uh, quite a few things. But if you look at, say, what, what does a typical uh, car company do? Uh, what, what they do is they, they, um, they, they, they assemble vehicles, um, and they send them to dealers, and they manage the supply chain. Uh, the, the, they, they might make the engine, uh, to, or typically will make the engine, but most of the parts are made by suppliers. Um, and a lot of the actual technology development is done by suppliers, and most of the most of the vehicle software is done by suppliers. So the actual amount of uh, real work done by car companies, what you think of sort of like a GM or Ford, is not actually that much. Um, and but they, like so, they don't do they don't do uh, sales, they don't do service. Um, they uh, so so in the case of Tesla, for example, we we do we we, we do our own sales and service. Uh, we don't have dealerships. Um, then uh, Tesla also has by far the biggest network of superchargers, sort of the electric equivalent of gas stations. 
So we built an entire global supercharger network, which is still the most advanced and by far the best uh, way to charge your car when traveling long distance or if you live in a city um, and uh, and don't have the ability to charge your car because of street parking or, or an apartment. So the whole supercharger network, we, we developed the supercharger network. We de- deployed it. I think we have, I don't know, 15,000 superchargers globally. Um, you can travel anywhere in America right now with uh, uh, the Tesla supercharger network. Um, then, uh, in terms of vertical integration, uh, we uh, we make the, the the battery pack, uh, the the power electronics, the drive unit. Um, we uh, we actually make we're, we're, we're more integrated in in the parts. We actually make so much of the car uh, internally. Uh, we're vertically integrated, um, not necessarily because we just we think that there's, there's some religious reason to be vertically integrated, but because uh, we, the pace at which we needed to move was just much faster than the supply chain could move. And to the degree that you inherit the legacy supply chain, you inherit the legacy constraints, including their speed, uh, cost, and uh, and technology. And then Tesla is as much a software company as it is a hardware company. So the software that runs in Tesla operates the car, operates the the screen, uh, does the charging, uh, all of that stuff is developed by Tesla. And um, so we have sort of a car, a Tesla OS in the car. When you... Um, I, you, I, could, uh, I could go on for a long time. And then very importantly, uh, it, it, Tesla has built uh, an, uh, an autopilot AI team from scratch. Uh, that is the best real world AI team on earth. Um, and if anyone else has got a better one, I'd like to see it demonstrated in a car. Um, the, the, yeah. the, the full self-driving beta at this point uh, uh, can uh, very often take you with zero interventions across the Bay Area from San Jose to Marin. So through, through complex traffic, it's really quite sophisticated. Um, and I invite anyone to, to join the beta or, or look at the videos of those who are in the beta. We've got like 100,000 people in the beta, so it's not tiny. And we'll be expanding that to, I don't know, probably a, a million people or, or a million, I don't know, so on that order uh, by the end of the year. So um, it's... Um, you had this slide. We also we also built a chip team to, because there wasn't, yeah. there wasn't hardware to, that we could run the friggin' Uh, AI on, uh, we, we couldn't just uh, fill the trunk with a whole bunch of GPUs, um, and and uh, you know because they would would have created a trunk full of GPUs that would have been very expensive and take a massive amount of power and cooling uh, just to, to be able to do what the Tesla designed uh, full self driving computer can do. So and we started a chip team from scratch, designed it. It was the best in the world and still is the best in the world several years later. Um, and we're also then developed, we're designing a, a dojo a supercomputer to be able to process the, um, all the video that's coming in from billions of miles of data, because just sort of like the way that, that it's very difficult to compete with Google because they have so much data and they have all the people doing searches all the time and, and humanity is training it. But the same is true of, of, of Tesla. You really need billions of miles, and ultimately tens of billions of miles of training data combined with a, a sort of a vast training computer and then uh, optimize uh, inference hardware in the car um, and state-of-the-art AI and training and specialized software across the board to be able to achieve a full self-driving solution. I, uh, I just want, when, when he opened Tesla Gigafactory, remember this six yeah, or seven yeah. years ago? I'll just tell the audience's story quickly, Elon. He puts a slide up there and he says, guys, we're not actually building a factory. We're building a machine that makes machines. And he puts the layout of the factory and it looks like a chip. 
And it was basically like how you would actually lay out a microchip if you were, or you know, you were like a layout engineer. It was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. And I was like, yeah. that was when I first got it. Yeah. You know, you walk in tent and you see what's happening. And you have an insurance company now. You're doing insurance for Tesla owners and an yeah. Uber competitor, right? And eventually a robo taxi Uber competitor. R.I.P. Um, yeah. I mean, insurance is like quite significant. And now, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> this, the, 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 the car insurance thing is a bigger deal than it may seem. A lot of people are paying, um, you know, 30, 40% as much as their lease payment for the car in, in car insurance. Um, so the car insurance industry is incredibly inefficient because they, they're, they're just, uh, first of all, you've got like so many um, sort of middle entities. You've got, you've got from the insurance agent all the way to the, the final sort of reinsurer. There's like a half dozen companies each taking a cut. Um, and then uh, the, 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 it's all very statistical. So that there's... Um, even if you're a very good driver, like you could be like, you know, 20 years old and a great driver, but they, it's all statistical. So you can't get, uh, you either can't get insurance or it's extremely expensive. Um, so, but Tesla allows for real time insurance based on your, how you actually drive the car. Um, you can actually, if you drive the car in, in a safer way, you actually uh, have lower insurance. So ours is, is, is insurance is based on how you actually drive, not how, you know, historically, people that you know fit your whatever demographic have drive. It's and and then you can close the loop around your uh, insurance rate by simply driving better and looking at your score, and 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 lowering your insurance in real time. And people do it. Actually, promotes safer driving. I actually have had this experience because in my household, two people drive my car, and one of them has a ninety-three score, and the other one does not. They have like a 60 score. <laughs> and um, you may have met this other person, but uh, I've been trying to work with her on the aggressive turns and stops in advance of our insurance bill, uh, <laughs> which we're hoping will go down yeah. at some point. Um, you didn't, oh, the one question, are, is this Twitter deal going to get closed, do you think? What are the chances here? Well, I mean, it really depends on, on, a, on a lot of factors here. Um, I'm still waiting for uh, some sort of uh, logical explanation for the number of sort of fake or spam accounts on Twitter, um, and Twitter is, is refusing to tell us. Uh, so, you know, this just seems like a strange thing. Um, Wait, sorry, is, are they refusing to tell you or you don't think they really know? I mean, there's a good chance they may just have no idea. They claim that they do know. Yeah. And they claim that they've got this complex methodology uh, that only they can understand. Um, <laughs> but the guy who landed like, two rockets simultaneously like, can't understand. When you brew, you stir this cauldron, and then you throw the nothing bloom. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> double, double, Hogsworth, toil and trouble. Spell, and then it suddenly it comes to you in a dream. I don't know. Um, but but, <laughs> but there, there should be some... Uh, you know, objective way to assert the uh, thing because this is a this is a material public statement. It's a threshold issue, yeah. It, 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 you know, it's it's a you know it's a material adverse uh, misstatement. Uh, you know, if 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 they in fact uh, have been um, vociferously claiming less than five percent of fake or spam accounts, but in fact it is four or five times that number, or perhaps ten times that number, this is a big deal. Um, it's yeah. not this. It, it's sort of like if you said, okay. Um, I'm going to, I agree to buy your house. You say the house has less than 5% termites. That's 
Uh, that's an acceptable number. But if it turns out it is 90% termites, that's uh, <laughs> not okay. You know, it's not the same house. Um, <laughs> this house is made mostly of termites. <laughs> termites leave. <laughs> it literally, your, your house will disappear because it's mostly made of termites. Um, so, it, you know, that, that would obviously just not be appropriate. So in, in making the Twitter offer, I was obviously reliant upon the, the truth and accuracy of their public filings. And if those those filings are not accurate. It's simply not that that's that it's, it's not, you, you can't pay the same price for something that is much worse than they claimed. And, you know, they say, Elon, life's a negotiation. So at a different price, it might be a totally viable deal. Correct. I mean, that, I mean, it's not out of the question. Um, Okay. But I really would, you know, this is, you know, the more the more questions I ask, the more I, the more my concerns uh, grow. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, acquiring it has to be fixable, um, and and fixable, you know, with yeah. with reason, reasonable time frame and without revenues collapsing along the way and all all that sort of stuff. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I really need to see how. These things are being calculated, and and it, it it can't be some deep mystery that is like more complex than the human soul or something like that. Um, it's got to be, you know. It's, 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 I think we can apply the scientific method to this and try to figure out what's really going on. And um, you know, Twitter's revenue is 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 primarily dependent, I think, seventy percent or, or some of that order on brand advertising as opposed to specific purchase advertising. This is a big deal because brand advertising is not. There's not a there's not a, a purchase that results from that. So it's basically, you know, how much mind share or like basically if, you, if you're a big company, how how often do they hear your name? Um, it's as opposed to something that where you can directly measure the outcome. Um, so that that means that they're somewhat going on faith. Um, and if that faith is undermined or, or reduced because of the reality of the situation coming to the fore, then the the, the Tesla's revenue or Twitter start with a T. Um, Twitter's revenue uh, will be uh, significantly impaired, and that's a major problem. Elon, did you have a chance to ask these questions during your negotiation? Uh, the, like I said, I was reliant upon their, their public filings. So to the degree that their public, and this is normal for a public company. If you, you know, if, if, if you make a formal filing, um, that 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 is what investors are relying upon, relying on whether they are making an acquisition offer or simply buying some shares. So this 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 the accuracy of these filings is important whether you're buying one share or the whole company. Um, and so if, if these filings are inaccurate or, or if they're sort of potentially blatant, yeah. it's a big deal. Elon, do you have a sense of why this has been such a persistent problem for Twitter? Do they not have the technical capabilities to solve the, the bot problem? Or is it more of like just a, they've underprioritized the issue or been unwilling to because potentially there are implications for uh, ad, ad, ad revenue? I, I, I don't know. It's, it's sort of speculative at this point. So the, you know, the, the, uh, the worst interpretation would be that they don't want to look too closely at the thing because they might not like the answer. That would be the worst interpretation. Um, the, the I'm not sure what the best interpretation is, but the least bad interpretation would be 
maybe they thought it was this way, but the way they were doing it was wrong and they didn't realize they were mistaken and simply weren't paying enough attention. Um, it does seem as though it should be a lot easier to get rid of the bots and, and spam and trolls then uh, it, like this is not some, we're not trying to split the atom here, you know, uh, we're, trying to, we're not trying to get to the moon. Okay. Yeah. We're just trying to uh, limit the amount of obviously scammy accounts. It, 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 if it's, if it's like Bitcoin giveaway, um, you know, probably it's, it's a spammer, you know, like it does. <laughs> maybe, you know, wait, you're not giving away a hundred Bitcoin. <laughs> I just sent you Teddy. <laughs> if, if, if you send me two Bitcoin, I'll send you one back, right? That's my... Uh, what if I send you 20? <laughs> Actually, um, I thought one of the interesting things that came up in your product roadmap, um, or I, I guess this was released and, and people covered it, was the um, possibility of Twitter becoming kind of a super app with payments included, um, perhaps even Doge or something. This seems to me, uh, based on your work with, with David at PayPal, like a, a pretty brilliant idea. What's, what's the vision there in terms of if you were able to buy it, you know, perhaps at the right price? Um, what, what would it look like if, you know, I could add Jason to add Elon Musk, you know, 10 bucks or something if, you know, we, we were splitting a check or something? Sure. Well, for those that have used WeChat, I think that's WeChat's actually a good model. Um, if you're in China, it's basically, you, you kind of live on WeChat. It does everything. Um, it's sort of like Twitter plus PayPal plus a whole bunch of other things and all roll into one with actually a great interface. And it's, it's really an excellent app. And we don't have anything like that um, outside of China. So uh, I think it, such, a, such an app um, would be really uh, useful. Um, and it, just like the utility of, of it, uh, of, of sort of a, a spam free thing where you could you can make comments you can post videos you can uh you know i think it's important for content creators to have a revenue share um now now this this does not need to be done on twitter it could be done from something that's created from scratch so it's, it could be something new um so really but but i think this thing needs to exist whether it is uh, converting twitter to uh, be the sort of like Kind of all-encompassing app that that like I said everything from digital town square where important ideas are debated, uh, you know, maximally trusted and inclusive, and at a point where you you sort of have a high trust situation, then then payments, uh, uh, whether it's uh, crypto or fiat, uh, can, can make a lot of sense. Just we just want something that's incredibly useful and that people love using. Um, oh. So. That, 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 but it, it's, it's either convert Twitter to that or start something new. Those are the two. But it, it does need to happen somehow. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because the price of Twitter um, is pretty high. And you've built a couple of companies and some engineers like to come work for you. Um, and you've now gone through the intellectual exercise of studying all this. Um, if you're looking at the two choices now, fixing Twitter given all these problems and maybe just starting your own version which one are you leaning towards? Because I have watched you build a couple of companies and the products have turned out pretty good. So is it yeah. easier for someone like you to just start from scratch? I mean, I mean it's certainly the, my, my default inclination is to start things from scratch. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not really, I don't buy, buy things. Like there's, there's still this sort of, you know, uh, um, yeah, like, like SpaceX was started from scratch. You know, in, in the case of, of Tesla, uh, you know, 
it was like five people. It was still this guy, Mark Everhard, who's the worst guy I've ever worked with, who tries to claim like sole credit essentially for creating a Tesla. And if he's so damn great, why didn't he just go, you know, create another car company when he was fired? Um, but anyway, um, so. Uh, well, I mean, that's a pretty good story. I mean, yeah. Oh I remember. <laughs> I mean, no, but I, I remember having this conversation with you. We were having a conversation about the Roadster. I think I can tell the story. Yeah. I said, how's it going, pal? And you said, well, I got one problem. Um, it turns out the Roadster parts and putting it together cost 190,000. Yeah. And I said, I gave you 150 for number 16. So if you make 2000 of these, you're gonna lose $80 million. And you were like, yeah, or double that. I mean, they basically, the parts of the car cost more than they were selling it for when you were yes. starting to get involved. That's, it was disaster. No, no, no. I, I got involved well, well before well that. Well before that, yes. <laughs> I got involved when, when Twitter, when, when Tesla was, was, was yes. nothing but a piece of paper. Let, let me they, be crystal yeah. clear. Crystal fucking clear. Yeah. Uh, no, they didn't bring me in <laughs> yeah. either. Uh, I, I, I was going to start, I was going to start a, a, an EV company yes. with J.B. Strumble and, and uh, based on the, the AC propulsion T0. Uh, and when I when I asked AC Propulsion if it was okay to do that, uh, they said, "Well, there's also some others who want to create an EV company, but have not created one yet. Yes, would you like to join forces with them?" And I said, "Okay, well, we'll do that." That was a huge mistake. JB and I should have just started the car company ourselves. Instead, uh, we uh, teamed up with uh, Everhard, Toppening and Wright. Um, big mistake. Uh, the, the 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 actual moral error here was me trying to have my cake and eat it too which is like, uh, I just want to work on the technology and the product and have someone else be the CEO and, and, and sort of run the business operations because I just like working on technology and product and design. And, um, and, and also, I was like doing SpaceX, uh, you know, uh, at the time and our rockets were blowing up. So it seemed like, uh, okay, this is like, I always wanted to do an electric car company. This is how I can have my cake and eat it too. Uh, that was a huge mistake and fundamentally a moral error. Um, and uh, so, so uh in the end, I had to friggin' be CEO, and I didn't want to be basically. Um, uh, so, but it's either that or the company's gonna die. So, uh, so we started with, with really just nothing, and uh, the uh, you know the T zero prototype from AC propulsion. Not not it, it, that's the that's the precursor to Tesla. Um, yeah. Were, to be one hundred percent clear, once again, uh, when uh, we created Tesla. I, when I when I joined, there were no no employees. There was no intellectual property. There was no prototype. There was no nothing. Yeah, to be yeah. crystal fucking clear. And <laughs> and it, it almost bankrupted you. I mean, you that, yes. that sent you to the cliff of insolvency. Yeah. I mean, that was yes. We were on the ragged edge of bankruptcy so many times it was ridiculous. Um, so. Um, and what, 2008 was one of the worst years where basically the, you know, GM and Ford, just so GM, GM and Chrysler, yeah, so Chrysler so uh, Ford almost went bankrupt and, um, you know, trying to raise money for a startup electric car company in 2008 while GM is going bankrupt was, uh, difficult to say the least. Um, and, and, you know, people were angry that I even asked them, uh, for money. <laughs> and they're like, fuck you and hang up. <laughs> 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 so the, the only way that that, that that Tesla actually made it through 2008 was uh, a subset of the existing investors, 
which includes like people like Antonio Gracias and, uh, you know, um, Steve Jovetson and, 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 and a, a few other key people, Ira Aaron Price, uh, who, who, who I hold a debt of gratitude to this day. Um, and and I, I put in all the money I had left and they said everything, they everything literally everything. Um, uh, I didn't even have a house. Uh, so uh, this is my ex-wife at the house. So I was like staying actually in Jeff Skull's bedroom, spare bedroom. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, and, but there was the, 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 uh, the, the subset of the investors would say, okay, if I put in, they put in as much as I put in. So I put in everything. Um, and, and then we closed that round at 6 p.m. Uh, Christmas Eve, 2008. It was the last hour of the last day that it was possible because after that, people were like, kept breaking for the holidays and we would have bounced payroll two days after Christmas. It was uh, pretty... That's doorstep. I mean, it was an yeah. incredible moment in time and, and people also forget at the time that the first two rockets SpaceX sent up uh, didn't exactly make it to orbit. Like one the of first three. Half, right. Yeah, the first three. And I remember having dinner with you at that time and I asked you, hey, how's it going? I heard uh, Gawker says you got four weeks of payroll left. And you said, that's not true. And I said, thank God. And you said, we have two. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I said, I mean, both SpaceX and Tesla in 2008, if we'd simply paid our suppliers on time, we would have gone bankrupt immediately. Tell us, tell us actually, uh, (laughs) it was a, it was a pretty crazy moment in time because I also remember asking you at, we were having dinner at BOA and I said, well, certainly it's got to be some good news. And you took out your BlackBerry to date the conversation. I don't remember it. Oh, yeah. And you, showed, and you said, don't tell anybody, Jay Cowan. I said, no problem. And you showed me the clay version of the Model S. Yeah. The most beautiful car I'd ever seen. And I said, oh, my God, it's stunning. Um, how much is it going to cost? He said, I think I can make it for 50000 I remember it was yesterday. I said, if you make that car for $50,000, you will change the fucking world. And you did it. And I, yeah, it was a little more than 50,000, but, uh, you know, yeah, thank you. you did. <laughs> Hi, sure. Let's ask about SpaceX. Okay, well, that's about SpaceX, but I, I want to ask one more personal question. Has life gotten easier for you as these companies have hit scale, or has the complexity made life even more challenging? Because those early days, it was just fighting to survive. Nobody knew who you were. You were anonymous. Um, and it was really just about the work. And now, let's face it, you're the world's most famous guy, um, and everybody's watching everything you do, but these companies are also very big. So what's life like for you today? Are you enjoying what you're doing every day? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's somewhat of a roller coaster. Um, so there are like good days and bad days, um, and there's, there are also crisis issues. Um, and, you know, like sort of, you know, knock on wood, like we're not like uh, facing you know, death in the face. Like, like it's, it's, it's definitely like quite stressful when like, you know, death is like tr- trying to eat your face off and like the, the foam is like, you know, just getting it. And like, yeah, <laughs> right there, you know, <laughs> no, that's, it's pretty stressful in that situation. Um, so like, right, you know, both SpaceX and Tesla have, um, you know, significant cash reserves. So like, it, you know, it's not we're staring death in the face. We can sort of see it over in the horizon, you know, so I don't want to get complacent or entitled because, it, um, but, it, but, it, but if it's not like just sort of foaming at the mouth and gnashing, trying to eat your face off uh, on a daily basis, that's, that's certainly, it's, we've moved on from that point um, and hopefully never, never return. Um, but, but there are a lot of issues that need to be, it's just, 
like the, the if, if you're a CEO of a company, the chore level is high. And if you don't do your chores, then the company goes to hell. And I hate doing, doing chores, frankly. So uh, who, do, who does? Uh, so th that's the real, like there's a whole bunch of sort of, uh, you know, personnel issues and legal issues and, and, and things that I, I, I don't find enjoyable to work on. But if I don't work on them, the company suffers. So it's more like just the sheer volume of work is insane. That's the, uh, and then, and then, you know, go do some, go add to it you know, with, you know, Twitter or something like that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, Find I'm your extra processor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have a habit of biting off more than I can chew and then just sitting there with like chipmunk cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> tell us, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about where we are at SpaceX, like how you fund the ability to go to Mars, but then also commercially still build, um, uh, a conventional space business domestically. I think this Russia thing was probably really good for SpaceX. If you want to just tell us a little bit about that. Um, sure. Um, well, the, 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 I mean, the goal of SpaceX is to develop the technology that enables life to become multi-planetary um, and, uh, you know, and make humanity a space-faring civilization, which I think is very exciting, inspiring thing. And it's like some, one of those things where you can, that, that I think, just makes kids like be excited about the future. And, and we need things that are inspiring and exciting and, and make the future seem like it's going to be better than the past. Life can't just be about solving one miserable problem after another. It's got to be like, like what's, what's inspiring and exciting. And I think that a future where we are space bearing civilization is, is one that we can all get excited about. Um, and, and, and we can go out there and find out what, what's, what's out there in your, in the universe and what's the meaning of life and, you know, where are the aliens and hopefully they're friendly and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I do get asked about the aliens question a lot and, and I've, <laughs> I've not seen any evidence of, of aliens. Um, and I'll, I'll be the first to, you know, tweet about it or whatever. If I found, if I see something, I mean, you'll tell us if you find them, I will tell you, I, I will definitely tell you if, if there's aliens. Um, and, um, you know, uh, I think it'd be quite helpful for, you know, like, like if, if we found aliens, like probably SpaceX would get a ton more revenue because people are like, oh man, aliens, we would upgrade our space technology pronto because what if we're yeah. unfriendly, you know? Um, it's like, you know, that is the idea that you build um, basically the ability to do orbital cargo, take all those profits, launch Starlink, take all those profits, and move it all into building something that can get to Mars? Is that the kind of rough plan? Yeah, pretty much. It's, yeah. if, if there was like a three-slide three PowerPoint, it would be <laughs> pretty much as you described, which is um, d uh, develop rockets that are, that are capable of, of taking uh, satellites to orbit and uh, crew to the space station, um, you know, basically servicing government commercial uh, space launch needs, um, and then uh, uh, build a, a global communication system in space uh, that obviously it does a lot of good for Earth but by providing uh, internet, connecti internet connectivity to the least served. Because a satellite system is really great for remote locations um, and you know, countryside or, or remote, remote islands or, or places where someone's trying to cut off their internet. Uh, <laughs> As a prelude to a war. <laughs> We take them <laughs> system like in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, so it, it can be pretty, pretty helpful 
like I think like Sonic basically I think is a a sort of forceful grid in its own right um, by providing uh, connectivity to the, the 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 least served or where they've got either no connection or a, a very expensive or poor connection. Uh, you know, um, the like we're like we're we're connecting a lot of schools, remote schools in Brazil right now. I'm I'm actually going to be going to be headed there uh, to sort of kick things off. Um, but they've got a lot of schools that have no connectivity at all. And in a modern age, uh, how do you learn with no connectivity? I mean, you could, I guess, old textbooks and stuff, but it's really, um, you're at a huge disadvantage if you um, have no di digital connectivity. Um, so I think there's just a lot of good that Starlink can do in it, just by, by itself. But, but then the, the, the revenue generated from Starlink is what can en enable the uh, creation of a, of a permanently uh, crude base on the moon which will be the next, you know, next step from Apollo, which is like, let's just not, not go there for a few hours and, and, and then head back. Let's have a permanently occupied yeah. like science station on, on the moon. Um, and we, we could also build um, some pretty epic uh, telescopes uh, on the moon uh, that uh, would enable us to learn more about the nature of the universe and, and figure out what's going on and maybe detect those aliens. Um, do, you, do, you, um, do you think that there's enough profit in those businesses to fund all this? Or do you need... Wall Street and other investors to come share the load with you. Is going, kind of to, is going to Mars a partnership with the government? Does it need to partner with governments to get there? Um, well, I think technically it does not need to partner with governments. Um, but of course, uh, government support would be helpful. Um, so, um, I mean, it's going to be very expensive to build a self-sustaining city on Mars, like in order for us to become multi-planetary in a way that's meaningful, um, the, the, the key threshold is um, at which point does the city become self-sustaining such that if the ships from Earth stopped coming for any reason, and it, it could be any reason, it could be World War III, or it could be just, you know, civilization subsided and, um, and, and, and just gradually got decrepit or something. But, but if the ships stopped coming if the resupply ships from Earth stop coming to Mars for any reason, does the city still survive? Mm -hmm. And and that's that's like really a large base of resources that are that 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 are needed uh, on Mars. You can't be missing any one critical ingredient. Uh, so and and you can think of this like there are these various great filters, um, you know that that perhaps stop civilizations. Um, and one of the great filters is will we become a multi-planet species or not? Will humanity be one of those? species that passes the great filter of going beyond one planet and being a multi-planet species. And this is certainly something we'll have to do at some point because this, the sun is expanding and will eventually boil the oceans um, and destroy all life on earth. So if you care about life on earth, you should really care about life becoming multi-planetary and ultimately multi-stellar because otherwise you're basically saying you're, you're signing the, the sort of death warrant for all life as we know it. it it's, it's inevitable. Um, and then there's also the, the various things that killed off the, you know, the dinosaurs. And, and the, I mean, if you look at the fossil record, there have been five major extinctions uh, that are sort of on the order of 80, 90, 80 to 90% of all creatures on Earth dying um, for, for a wide range of reasons. Um, but, uh, and then humans can also, you know, with, with this, the, the World War III danger um, that, were, that, that other creatures didn't have where we, we could do ourselves in. Um, by sort of misusing advanced technology and and sort of just you know having some radioactive hellhole that's all that's left after World War III. So um, you know it, one, you could even characterize it potentially as which will come first, World War III 
or uh, life becoming multiplanetary on Mars. Um, you know, and this is, yeah. So. No, sorry, I was going to shift, but um, you know, when you think about the importance of going to Mars versus solving critical energy and climate change problems here on Earth, obviously the effort with Tesla is related to sustainable energy. And I think going back to like probably the 1950s, there were engineering designs around plasma fusion or fusion-based systems that have evolved to these plasma systems, to these tokamak systems. And every year, every decade, it's like, hey, next decade, we're going to have it. What's your point of view on where plasma fusion systems are? Are we going to have fusion energy this century, this decade? And does it create limitless energy where the uh, electricity production goes up by 10,000 fold and the price of electricity drops by 10,000 fold? And then what does that world on Earth look like if that happens? So I guess the question is like, is that technology real? When does it happen and what happens to the world here when and if that happens? I'll answer that question, but then I'll, I'll, I'll let, let me sort of point out what the what the actual issue is. Uh, if the question is like, uh, is it possible to solve uh, fusion energy? One hundred percent, yes, definitely, 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 is for sure. Um, so the, the the and 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 really just using a tokamak style, which is like a, basically a donut ring with uh, uh, with electromagnets that control the the the, the plasma. Uh, the, the way to solve that is simply scale up the tokamak. Uh, fusion is uh, very much a scale-based uh, uh, thing. You want to minimize your surface-to-volume ratio. So as you scale up, up uh, a tokamak, you reduce your surface-to-volume ratio, which means like the, 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 the volume you have relative to the, the, the surface, uh, you, you, you now have much more... Uh, like you, you can basically have a hot zone in the center that's relatively far away from the walls and, and, and more of a hot zone. Um, so the the so it's it's not in my mind a question as to whether fusion can work, but there is a question as to whether it is economically viable, um, and and whether it is competitive with uh, with with alternatives. I think the the economic viability of fusion is a, a much bigger question, and I I think the answer probably is that uh, a fusion uh, Earth fusion is not competitive economically. I think that is that is a uh, I would say it's probably not competitive economically by an order of magnitude. Where does, uh, it break, where does it break? Is it a materials breakdown or where does it break down economically? Well, so, so you can't just um, use uh, normal hydrogen. You know, you, you need right. to use like deuterium and tritium, like unusual forms of hydrogen. Helium-3. Yeah. Helium-3, uh, uh, you know, there, there, are, um, there are some... Uh, some uh, other types of, of fusion that could be used, uh, but um, th these are just not, they're, they're not like, uh, there's not a lot of this raw material. It's quite difficult to get the raw material. So first you have to get the raw material. Uh, that's that's very, so ex expensive raw material. Um, and then um, it's not just about generating the, the, the energy. You've, you've got to um, turn that energy into usable electricity. You can't just have a hot thing. Okay, so the hot thing has to translate to usable electricity. So I think you've got a, you've got a cost of a fuel issue, which is very significant. Uh, you've got you got have a whole bunch of knockdowns from uh, when you generate the heat to uh, when you actually convert that into electricity. Um, you've got some very difficult maintenance issues with with a, a fusion reactor. Um, so, uh, and, and that should be then compared to alternatives. Uh, the, the, the sustainable energy alternatives that I think uh, are overwhelmingly more competitive are um, 
uh, solar energy, wind, uh, geothermal, uh, hydro, uh, some tidal and energy, but it's really primarily uh, solar uh, and and wind. Um, now, and you can really th say like, what, what, why bother creating uh, fusion on Earth when we have a gigantic fusion reactor in the sky that just works with zero maintenance? And it right. shows up every day. Right. It's pretty consistent. Yeah. But Elon, yeah. can we scale to 1,000x or 100x our electricity production here using solar and other renewable yeah. sources? Yes. So the, the, the amount of uh, surface area you need to uh, power the United States is remarkably tiny. Um, so you need like basically roughly 100 miles by 100 miles of territory. And it obviously doesn't need to be in one place uh, in the United States to power the United States. It's like a little corner of Texas or Utah, the entire country. Um, and, and then if you, if you, if you, you, could, you could basically power, uh, you, you probably 10x the, the, just with solar alone, um, without displacing uh, anyone's home, uh, power an economy 10 times the size of the United States in the United States on land. When, when energy now, prices... If you, extend that to, if, you extend that, if you extend that to water, because Earth is 70% water... Yeah. I mean, you could, you could say, okay, now we could probably have a civilization that is 100 times as energy intensive as we currently have it. And so what, what does that look like was the last part of my question, which is a world where energy costs are, say, let's 100 times cheaper than they are today, and we have 100 times more energy production capacity. What, what, what changes about civilization? What do we do differently? And what do we see change most kind of dramatically? Well, currently, we're, we're not... Because of, of just generally uh, low birth rates almost worldwide, uh, civilization is not headed to uh, have a population that is an order of magnitude greater than where, where we're currently. We're currently headed towards a population decline. Uh, and this is almost everywhere in, world, in the world. Um, so, you know, it basically seems as, as though as soon as you have like urbanization, um, and, and, and education beyond a certain level and income beyond a certain level, birth rates plummet. Um, and so as countries get, get wealthier, their birth rates plummet. It's, it's somewhat counterintuitive because people will say like, well, it's too expensive to have a baby. Nope. The, the wealthier you are, the, are the fewer kids you have. Um, the more educated you are, the fewer kids you have. So um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the inverse. Um, so, so I'm not sure who would use all that energy. Um, unless there's a, a significant change in the birth rate. Um, or we have a very robot-oriented economy. So that's also possible. So if we've got a lot of, um, you know, four-wheeled robots in form of cars and uh, androids, uh, so humanoid robots, then you could certainly see that there'd be perhaps a need for an order of magnitude more energy. But it's not coming from the humans unless something major changes on the, on the human uh, birth rate uh, level. Uh, th this, by the way, is, I think, the biggest single threat to civilization uh, right now is the... Yeah, why, why do you think societally people just make those decisions when they become more affluent? Is it that they just become more selfish or there's more things for them to do and they have more money to spend on themselves and they say, you know what, I don't want to have a large family. I want to, you know, go to Coachella. <laughs> yeah, well... Uh, th there is this like weird, like mind virusy thing where some people are think like having fewer kids is is like better for the environment. Yeah, this that's is, crazy. This is total nonsense. Nonsense. Uh, the environment is going to be fine. They're going to be fine even if we if we doubled the size of the humans. Um, this is, and I know a lot about environmental stuff. So, 
um, you know, uh, we can't have civilization just dwindle into nothing. Um, and, you know, Japan's a leading indicator here. Like the Japan's population declined by 600,000 people last year. They had the lowest birth rate in history. Uh, it's, you know, it's pretty bad. Um, so we, I don't know. We, we, and I think so, so, so this one element of it is, is, is a lot of people just think that having kids is, is somehow bad for the environment. I want to be clear. It's not. It's essential for, maintain, for maintaining civilization that we at least maintain our numbers. We don't necessarily need to grow dramatically, but at least let's not uh, you know, gradually dwindle away and, until uh, civilization ends with us all in adult diapers and, 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 and in a whimper. Like we don't want civilization to end in adult diapers with a whimper. That would suck. <laughs> kind of suck, yeah. Bleak. Bleak and sad. Well, I mean, and, and you and I have had this conversation. I mean, in, in Japan, I had two people tell me when I was there, like, I, I think it's immoral to bring humans into the world. I mean, people have gotten very yeah. sad about the future. It's kind of crazy. The world's great. Life's yes. awesome. Yes. No, there's, there's literally, I've heard many times, how, like, how can I bring a child into this terrible world? I'm like, have you read history? Because let me tell you, it was way worse back then. Okay. Yeah. Now is a good time. Now is a good time to be <laughs> yeah. bored. Hey, yeah. you know, listen, I, I know you're super busy, but I want to ask you about the move to Texas because I've been thinking about it, uh, Austin. California, uh, I, I don't know, some senator told you to go fuck yourself and, like, you know, like, we don't yeah, need you I think here. there's been a couple senators who said that, actually. Yeah. Um, it's, it seems to be turning into a bit of a trend. Um, but how has building the Tesla um, Gigafactory, which I got to see in Austin a couple of weeks ago, and it was one of the most inspiring things I've ever seen. I mean, it, I don't know how many months it took to build there, but how long did it take to build that dreadnought? And then what would it have taken to build that in California, California under Gavin Newsom? So we, we built the, the the Giga Texas, which is the biggest factory in North America, I think possibly the biggest factory in the world. Um, and it's, it's three times the size of the Pentagon to give you a sense of scale. Okay. This is friggin' big. It's like, it's weird. It's like so big. It's weird. Like you, it's like, I, I was trying to find you in it and it, I was trying to drive around and it took me about 45 minutes to find you. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you have to like call. So you can't like find someone in the building. You have to call them on their cell phone and say, where are you? You know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, the building is like uh, uh, just under a mile long and we're actually going to extend it. It will be like literally a mile long um, and about a quarter mile wide uh, and it's uh, 80 feet tall. So it's just uh, ridiculously big. Um, and when you think about it, like for a manufacturing situation, like what, what, what are the two, the two things that really define manufacturing competitiveness are economies of scale and technology. And so if you've got an ace on economy, like you, if you sort of maximize your, your ace level on, on technology and you maximize your ace level on scale, this is obviously going to be the most competitive situation. And that's why they're so friggin' giant. Um, and the, the, the Giga Texas will go all the way from um, cell raw materials, like, like, like basically rail cars of cell raw materials coming in and then forming the, the battery cell, then the battery pack, uh, building the, the, the motor, uh, casting. We also have introduced a major innovation, which is to cast the entire uh, front third and rear third of the car in, as a single piece. Um, I got this idea from toys, actually, because I was like, how do they make toys? Those are cheap. They just cast them. I was like, well, can you build a casting machine that big? And they're like, 
well, no one ever has. I'm like, is it, are we breaking physics? Like, no. Well, let's just ask them. And there were six major casting machine suppliers in the world, and five of them said no, and the sixth said maybe. I'm like, I'll take that as a yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this, you wanted to do this for the Model 3, but it was just too soon, huh? Uh, and, and now it's almost there. Yeah, actually, this, this partly comes from the Model 3, which is actually a fantastic car in many ways. Um, um, but we were rightly criticized for an inefficient design uh, with, for the front and rear body. Um, uh, like Sandy Monroe, who I think is really ex has excellent from an engineering standpoint and, and really a very fair critic, uh, <laughs> he, he pistol whipped us for um, the design of the, of the battery. He, he ripped was like, it apart uh, and piece by piece told you why you suck. Yeah, and then he did the why yes. and told you why you were awesome. <laughs> he took it apart and told us exactly why, he, why we sucked. And he was correct. Um, and then <laughs> and I was like, well, that's pretty embarrassing. So, uh, no, there, there, he was complimentary of other parts of the car, but not the body yeah. design. And, uh, and so it's like, okay, we're going to go from like, you know, uh, the, the, it's, it's just an incredibly difficult body to make. It's made out of like 120 different pieces with dissimilar metals that are joined. And you've got galvanic corrosion challenges. So it's, it's very difficult to make. Um, to a single piece casting, that's one piece. So like 120 pieces went down to like one. So um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge, and, and the, the, like the Model Y body shop, especially the new one where we cast both the front and rear is 60% smaller than the Model 3 body shop. So it's, it's you know, gigantic. Uh, it's quite, a, there's, there's a lot of innovations of Tesla besides the stuff that is, is obvious. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah, the, the but if, we, <laughs> and, and really, you know, to, to, to be fair to, to, to Gavin Newsom, like, uh, you know, if, if, you, <laughs> if, you, if you had a gun to Gavin's head, okay, um, and said, we need to build, start building this factory in California right now, he couldn't do it because there are so many uh, regulatory agencies um, and so many uh, litigators in California that want to stop you from doing anything that even if you're the governor of the, of the state, you cannot get it done. Um, so something's got to be done to, 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 you know, because California used to be the land of opportunity and it's a beautiful state. And I love, I loved living there. I still spend a lot of time in California, even though every time I go there, I get the, every, literally every day I go there, I get the Jesus tax. Big, out of tax, me. big I, tax bill by day. Yeah, like the sheer cost per day of me going and working in California days boggles the mind. And I, but I still do it, you know, um, but, but it, it, the, the California has gone from the land of opportunity to, to the land of, of, of sort of taxes, uh, overregulation, and litigation. And th this is not a good situation. And really, this has got to be like a, a, a serious cleaning out of the pipes in California. How many months Maybe. was it to get uh, the, the Giga Austin done? It took a year and a half, two years? Yeah, 18, 18 months to build something three times the size of the Pentagon. Incredible. And you just basically, the answer to how many months it would take in California oh, is infinity. No, we, we would still be working on the permits. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Elon, this, this begs a good question, which is, you know, like... What, I'm not exaggerating. Can you yeah. keep signing paperwork? <laughs> but, but what, we have what, one more form for you. What's a better model? <laughs> yes. What's a better model for government? So, you know, like all governments tend to increase in complexity, Dictatorship capacity. Is, this, is the dictatorship the right model? And, um, you know, like, like, how do we solve this? Let's say you go to Mars or let's say you had to fix California. Is California permanently broken? Is there a way to fix it? Or like, how do you set up a better model so that you don't end up having this, this kind of special interest complexity situation that eventually kills the uh, 
population? Well, I mean, I think ultimately with California, the, the people of California just have to get fed up and, and demand change. Um, that's the thing that really has to happen. Um, and and, and th- there's, got, there's got to be an above zero percent chance of the, of the Republicans winning in California. If, 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 it's, if it's just the, the Democrats every time, it's got to be. Yeah. You know, and this is this is like occasionally it, 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 the thing is that right right now uh, you've, you and plus the level of level of gerrymandering, uh, which is basically just treat, treating the people like sheep uh, and, and uh, it's, it's terrible. Um, it, that's gone on in California is outrageous. So California, uh, the Dems have a super majority in, in um, the House and Senate in California and the governor and everything. And so how responsive is any political party going to be to the people if they are uh, guaranteed to win? It's, it's a one party state. Yeah. And so uh, I'm not saying that, you know, go in, 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 in sort of elect the Republicans every time, but if it's never you're, you're just making California a one-party state. They will no longer be responsive, responsive to the people and will only be responsive to those that funded their political campaigns. Clip Elon saying that 30 seconds on TV over and over. <laughs> Go ahead, Sex. Yeah. So, uh, Elon, shifting gears to the economy, um, you know, we saw this uh, surprise report of negative 1.4% GDP growth in Q1. Uh, interest rates been rising. That increased the cost of the consumer of getting loans, things like that. Uh, we've had a stock market correction, really a crash in uh, a lot of growth stocks, software stocks. Um, what, from where you sit and the data that you see, uh, where, where do you think the economy is, is headed right now? Do you think we're in a recession or is it just a risk? How do you, how do you assess our current economic situation? Well, predicting economic, macroeconomics is always difficult um, and, and one should assign probabilities to these things. Um, but ironically, I did last year, people asked me what I think about the economy. I said, well, I, I think we might enter a recession in approximately uh, uh, spring of, of 2020, of 2022. Called it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so uh, I, you know, now the thing is that recessions are not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, they, they, you know, um, what, what it, I've now been through a few of them, and what, what tends to happen is if you, if you have um, uh, a boom for, that goes on for too long, you get misallocation of capital. Uh, it starts raining money on fools, basically. It's like any any dumb thing gets money, and I'm sure you've seen a few of those. Um, so at, 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 at some point, it gets just out of control, and you just have a misallocation of, of human capital, uh, where, where people are doing things that are silly and, and not useful to their fellow human beings. Um, and, and, and then those companies, there needs to be sort of an economic enema, if you will, um, uh, to, to have everyone sort of shift uncomfortably in their seats. Um, so, <laughs> but, but the, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just I'm visualizing it, the economic enema. <laughs> it, I mean, listen, it's got alliteration. Um, so, uh, <laughs> this too shall pass. <laughs> this too shall pass. Eventually, the economic enema does its job. It clears out the pipes, if you will. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and 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 sort of the the, the, the bullshit companies um, uh, go bankrupt, and the ones that are doing useful products uh, are prosperous. Um, and um, but but there's certainly a lesson here that if one is making useful product and 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 do it, do, has a company that makes sense, uh, make sure you're not running things too close to the edge from a capital standpoint. That you've got some capital reserves to uh, last through uh, irrational times. Because in the in the past, when there's been a recession, um, it has gone. It's it's amazing. It's flipped like a light switch. I mean, David, do you remember this when from the from the PayPal you know ex PayPal days when when we 
raised $100 million in March of 2000. Uh, and, and we literally, we had, the, the demand was so high, we had uh, people like VCs, like just literally without even a term sheet, wiring money into our account. Um, <laughs> we'll send the term sheet later. <laughs> they, they literally were like, were like sleuth out our, our bank account number and wire money in. And we're like, where'd this come from? And it's like, <laughs> oh, they, <laughs> um, they, so it was like, they were literally fire hosing money in March of 2000. And, and then in April 2000, the market went into free fall and it went from money, raising money was trivial to even good companies could not raise money uh, in, in a month. Um, so it's just important to bear in mind like that, you know, PayPal almost went bankrupt in, in 2000, uh, we came close. Um, but, but thankfully we'd, we'd raised that, that $100 million in, in March 2000, uh, without which we would be in, uh, we would be in game over basically. Um, uh, and, and we kind of saw it coming. So it's like we, we, we got that, the, the, the X-Confinity merger done in like three weeks and raised $100 million. <laughs> because we were like, uh-oh, how, this is, we, we see this coming to an end pretty soon. And then a month later, it was like, it, you know, a nightmare, basically. Um, and and uh, anyway, so it's just important to make sure if you're a healthy company, you've got some capital to get through things. Um, and, and and then what, what's your costs? And uh, if, you, if, if, if it is a recession, which... It, more likely than not, it is a recession. I'm not saying it is, but it, pro it probably is. Um, then just uh, make watch your cash flow and, and get positive cash flow as soon as you can. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, but I, I think we probably are the, the, are in a recession, and that that recession will get get worse. Um, but you know, it, these things pass, and then there will be boom times again. Um, so it'll probably be some, some tough going for, I don't know, a year, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, 12 to 18 months is usually, um, the, the amount of time that it takes for, for the, a correction to, to happen. Um, right. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah. I, David, uh, how do you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, it feels like it started, um, you know, what started as a slowdown earlier this year um, now seems like, I mean, technically, I guess we need two quarters of negative growth to be in a recession, but it feels like we're in one. It feels like it started. Um, yeah. You know, the growth stock, the software businesses that we invest in are sort of the canaries in the coal mine. And there's a lot of, a lot of dead canaries. <laughs> not dead, but... Um, they're having a hard time breathing? <laughs> yeah. I'm not, not dead yet! <laughs> It's, it's, not, it's not dead. It's, it's just it's just napping. It's, it's napping. <laughs> Wake up, little birdie. <laughs> Wake up. It's high. It's just high. It's just stunned. It's it's got, it got stunned for a brief moment, and 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 it just it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> it, it, it sort of reminds me of the the, the parrot, the, you know, the pet shop sketch with the parrot with Monty yes, Python. Yes, Monty Python. Um, where, yeah. <laughs> it's pining. This parrot is pining for the fjords. <laughs> hey, um, Elon, a lot has been talked about as we wrap here, and you've been incredibly gracious giving us so much time. Thank you for that. Um, a lot of talk about American exceptionalism over the last couple of years um, waning, and maybe this country had seen its best days. And uh, we see the work you're doing and other people in this great country are doing and the debates we're having about the future. And uh, yeah, China's doing pretty fantastic. Russia's on the ropes. Um, but it does seem like uh, America is still producing s some of the greatest companies uh, the world has ever seen, some of the greatest innovations. 
What are your thoughts on America and our future and what we need to keep this country and, and this beacon of hope that, you know, four of the five of us were not born here. You know, two of you came from South Africa. And no, three of you. Three of you came from South Africa and one of you from Canada. I don't know what they're putting in the Oh, from Sri Lanka. And from Sri Lanka and through Canada. Via Canada. Via Canada. <laughs> he came through Canada too. Yeah, I know. It seems like that's the, that's the way. Canada is a gateway. It is a gateway. <laughs> and and how, how do we... It's a, well, I'm, I'm hinting at the answer here, but you know, it does seem like our immigration policy is absolutely insane, and uh, maybe we need to keep collecting some of the great individuals that I get, I get to share the stage with here and yourself. We need to keep bringing great people to this country. Why yeah. can't we get that in our heads that yeah. it's not immigration, it, it, it's, it's talent recruitment? No, absolutely. I think uh, it's incredibly important that the United States be like the destination for the world's best talent. I mean, you can think of this like like the, like a pro sports team. If you want to win the league, um, and and uh, you, you know you, you want the best players in your team. Um, there, now there are obviously a, a lot of uh, uh, very talented people born in the United States, um, but if you could add a few aces from uh, from uh, outside the country to the team, you're going to win the league. Um, and, 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 and here's the thing. Those aces actually want to work for your team. They don't want to compete against you. They want to, they want, they want to, win. to be on Team America. And, and so it's like we, we have to like fight them off to not be on Team America. That's the crazy thing. Um, and so it's like if you have some aces that, that are the difference between winning and losing, we should be like really recruiting them like you'd recruit like a star Basketball player or football player, that's what we should be doing. Um, active recruiting. Um, just like if you're a company that wants, wants to succeed, you actively recruit the best talent. And, then, and, and, and that, that's the way to win. And, and if, if that stops happening, America will stop winning. And we have two administrations in a row, Biden and Trump, who don't want to let the greatest minds, the most talented people into this country. It's absolutely insane. I mean, I think you deal the, with this every day. Yeah, right? I mean, I think the reality, reality is like actually anyone who who's gonna who wants to 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 work hard and be and, and do useful things, um, and and this you know uh, we we want in the United States, um, and, and it's not just people who are sort of intellectually strong, but it's just anyone with a with a strong work ethic, you know, if if they're coming from Mexico or if they're coming from you know. Europe or China, wherever it's just if, if they're like going to come here and crank hard and 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 contribute more than they take, hell yeah! I mean that's just it's a no brainer. Do you uh, have you been have you been disappointed in the similarities between Biden and Trump on this? Like maybe you could have expected it from Trump because that was the rhetoric he needed to use to get elected, but it's not as if Biden has flipped the script and said, "Okay, we're going to go 180 degrees in the other direction." He's kind of kept it the same. Which has been really surprising, actually. Man, it's hard to tell what Biden's doing, if you're totally frank. Um, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like it's the, weekend the, at Bernie's. The, 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 the real president is whoever controls the teleprompter. You know, it's like, it's like the, the, the path to power is the path to the teleprompter. 
you know, like what, what, cause that then he just reads the teleprompter. So, you know, I, I do feel like, like if, if somebody would accidentally lead on the, lean on the teleprompter, it's going to be like Anchorman. It's going to be like QQQ ASDF one, two, three, you know, type of thing. Um, I mean, in fairness to Biden, he, he hasn't been napping as much as he needs to, but <laughs> well, it's, 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 just, it's, it's hard to see the things just... that are getting done, you know, I mean, this administration just, just, it doesn't seem to get a lot done. Like, and, you know, um, whatever, like the, the Trump administration, leaving Trump aside, I, th there were a lot of people in the administration who were effective at getting things done. So, uh, but this, this administration seems just just to not have like the drive to just get shit done. Uh, that that um, that that's my it's it's that's my impression. Um, so um, you know we definitely need to fix immigration policy. Like we had COVID, which was an issue, and 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 so that was like one reason to like not you know I guess clamp down on. But now now we moved on, and so let, let's let's just make sure we're we're getting tough talent. Uh, in the United States. Um, and, and really, I'd say broadly, it's anyone who, who wants to work their ass off um, and, and, uh, and contribute more than they take to the economy. Like, that's just necessarily going to make for a stronger, better society in America. Elon, did you see uh, Jeff's, uh, Bezos's tweet back and forth with Biden, um, where Biden, I think, was talking about inflation. inflation, but then he correlated that to taxing corporations, and Bezos said, this is misinformation and disinformation, et cetera, et cetera. What do you, what do you think about that whole exchange then back and forth? I mean, the, the obvious reason for inflation is that the government printed a zillion amount of more money than it had, uh, obviously. Um, so it, it's like the government can't just, uh, uh, you know, have... Um, issue checks far in excess of revenue without there being inflation, um, you know, velocity of money held constant. So unless there's something would, would change with velocity of money, but, but, but it's it just, the, the, if the federal government writes checks, they don't, they never bounce. So that is effectively creation of more, of more dollars. And if, if there are more dollars created than the increase in the goods and services output of the economy, then you have inflation again, velocity of money held constant. Um, but so, uh, this is just this is very basic. Uh, this is not like uh, you, you know uh, super complicated. Um, and and if, if if the government could just issue uh, massive amounts of money and have a, and, and deficits didn't matter, then well, why don't we just make the deficit a hundred times bigger? Okay, yeah. and the answer right. is you can't because it, it will basically turn the dollar into something that is worthless. So. Um, and, and various countries have, have tried this experiment multiple times. It's not like, oh, I wonder what happens if this, if, if, if this is done. Yeah. Have you seen Venezuela? Like the, the poor people of Venezuela are, you know, have been just run roughshod by their government. Um, and so obviously you can't simply uh, create money. The, 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 the true economy is very important. Like the true economy is the output of goods and services. It's not money. It's, it's literally... What is the output of goods and services? Money is simply a way to, to for us to, or anything that you call money, uh, is, is a way for us to conveniently exchange goods and services without having to engage in barter, and also to shift obligations in time. That those are the two reasons that you have money. Uh, this thing called money. It's it's really a it's a database. Like money is a, is an is an information system for uh, for labor allocation and for exchange of goods and services and for translating in time. 
Um, and the quality of that information is a function of, it's, it's like you basically you can apply information theory to money. And, and I think it, it, it helps explain why one money system is, or why, why one action is better than another. And so if like the, the, the money, you, you, you just, just like a, an internet connection, you'd want something that's high bandwidth, uh, low latency and jitter, and uh, is not dropping packets, does not have a lot of errors in the system. Um, and the same is true, true of money. Um, you, you, you want, and, that, and, and really like you said, what, what did PayPal really, really do that it helped improve the, the, the bandwidth, the, the speed at which money could move? Um, instead of, of mailing checks back and forth, which amazingly that was what people did uh, in, in 2000, um, uh, you, you can now do real-time exchange of, of money um, and, and now you could ship your goods immediately instead of mailing a check and waiting for the, the bank to clear the check. So uh, like, and, and the, the ultimate thing that with PayPal or if, or if it sort of was in the X.com sort of went, went more, less sort of niche payments and more sort of broad financial would be to simply distance to mediate all the heterogeneous uh, COBOL databases out there running on mainframes doing batch yeah. processing and have a single real-time system that, uh, that was secure um, and not batch processing. Um, and so it would, just, it would just be from an information standpoint, more efficient. And, and eventually it would, all the, the batch processing COBOL mainframes operated by the banks would cease to exist. You've um, spent more time uh, and uh, built more in China than almost anybody. I mean, Apple would be the only company I could think of that's probably got a bigger footprint, but I'm not certain of that. Um, what have you learned about China um, that you didn't know before you opened the factories there and started uh, delivering cars there? And what should we know about China, you know, as Americans? How should we think about China and our relationship with it? Because we haven't spent time there. Sure. Well, I'd say like China, first of all, is not monolithic. It's not like uh, everything, everything is not some plot by the Chinese government. Um, the, uh, the, 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 there are many uh, factions within China that compete uh, vigorously within China. Um, and uh, so, um, and, 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 the, and, and perhaps most important is that there's just a, 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 just a tremendous number of hardworking, smart people in China who want to get ahead and get things done. Um, and they're not complacent and they're not entitled. Um, and they're going to, they're, they want to get things done and they, they, they want to make a better life for themselves. Um, and what we're going to see uh, with, with China for, uh, for the first time that anyone can remember who is alive is an economy that is twice the size of the U.S., possibly three times the size of the U.S. And it's going to be very weird living in that world. So uh, we, we better stop the infighting in the U.S. and stop punching ourselves in the face because, like, there's a whole there's way too much, uh, you know, of, of America punching itself in the damn face, which is just dumb. Um, and and think about like, hey, we got to be competitive here. And and uh, there's a new kid on the block that's going to be two to three times our size. We, we better step up our game um, and, uh, you know, and stop infighting. Um, you think it's so, easier to stop infighting once we're beaten? Or do you think that there's a way folks here can actually just, you know, get their political and commercial act together? But, or does it not happen until we realize we've lost? Or do we need a war? I, sure, I mean, I, we, I sure hope we don't need, we need a war. Um, uh, but, but there, there will be certainly... Um, you know, an, an economic competition that I think will, will blow people away. Um, 
and, and when they realize just how competitive they have to be to be competitive with companies in China. It's very difficult. Um, you know, Tesla is competitive. But Tesla is competitive because we have an, an awesome team in China that, uh, you know, so. Um, like, do your Tesla China employees work some meaningful percentage more or harder than your Tesla non-China employees? Do you find like it's two different companies, basically? Well, I mean, for, I, I think tes Tesla is somewhat, it, it, it Tesla is sort of pretty far out there in terms of work ethic uh, anywhere in the world. So uh, our, the Tesla work ethic in the US, I think, is substantially greater than a any other car company or, or any large manufacturing company that I'm aware of. Um, so, you know, t Tesla, Tesla does have a, a strong work ethic in, in the U.S., but, but to be totally frank, it, 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 the work that work ethic is exceeded um, uh, on balance by uh, the Tesla China team. That, that is, I think, objectively true. So... There's not to say there aren't lots of hardworking people at Tesla US. There certainly are. Um, but if you say on average, the, the, the work ethic in China is higher. It's just... Tell us... Tell we're us calling, we're calling it like it is, you know? So. What about if you're an American CEO? How do you deal with, do you think, just the need for managing all these political factions inside of a company? You probably saw, you know, all the Sturm und Drang related to Disney and what happened to them and what's continuing to happen to them on both sides between their employees as well as the governments, et cetera. Um, do you have any advice or what do you tell like young CEOs that you hang out with about how to deal with that, how to make those decisions, where you land in the spectrum of dealing with all of this stuff? The non-work issues that are related to now, you know, going to work every day. Uh, I'm not sure I entirely understand what you mean. Like, uh, you know, all the, I, all the, the, whether it's the, the need for political correctness or the need for having political points of view and having to bring that and balance that in the workplace. How do you deal with that? How do you give advice to other folks about having to deal with it? Look, I think it, you know, the, the, the point of a company is to produce useful products and services for your fellow human beings. It is not, uh, you know, some political gathering place or a, a thing where it, that's the point of a company. Like it's, I'd say like it's, you know, politics and other stuff should, should Let's not lose sight of why companies should exist. <laughs> um, so I, and I, I, I got to I got to I'm, I'm actually late for. Yeah, of, I, I apologize. I got to work on the rocket, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to go ahead and let you uh, get to Mars, and uh, I'll see you soon. Right, Ladies and you. gentlemen, Thank Elon you. Musk. Source it to the fans, and they've just gone crazy with it. Love you, West. I queen of Be. Be. What? <laughs> That's gonna be a, we need to get merch. Besties are I'm back. I'm going on.